Thanks for checking out this message from Coastal Community Church. We hope it's helpful and encouraging. Good morning, good morning, and uh, welcome to Coastal Community Church. Great to see you guys here in person, and uh, thank you so much for those of you who are watching online. Thanks for tuning in. Hey, uh, one quick little uh, extra announcement that I want to make. You may or may not be interested in this, but uh, this coming Wednesday night at 8 o'clock, um, we're bringing back our little uh, cooking show. Uh, me and my wife, Janet, uh, cooking and dishing with Pastor Chris and Miss Janet, grilling and chilling. I'm not sure what all we do, but uh, we make a meal. We give the meal away. We have a lot of fun, talk about all things coastal. But we're, we're in some conversations right now, speaking of conversations, with the Food Network and the Comedy Channel. So anyway, you, you take your pick. I'm not sure. So if you got nothing else to do on Wednesday night, Facebook Live, Wednesday night, 8 o'clock, um, you know, we kind of did this thing over the, uh, you know, the shutdown, the pandemic. And, um, you know, so you, you really had to choose between Tiger King or PC and Miss Janet. So, you know, it got a little bit of traction. So we'll see what happens uh, this Wednesday night. We would love to have you. But we are in uh, this week uh, three of conversations. And uh, today I want us to have a very important conversation uh, about a subject that you really do need to have a handle on uh, yourself but especially uh, if you have kids. And uh, this is one of those conversations you better be having already or be a little bit more prepared to have. And that is, how, how, do you be, how are you to be a disciple of Jesus, a follower of Jesus, and live in the digital age in which we find ourselves? So that's what I want us to talk about. But I want everybody to do something for me really quickly. Uh, everybody pull out your, your cell phone, your smartphone, just kind of get it out, put it in your hand, and uh, I want to talk about this, okay? So if you have any modern smartphone, you actually hold in your hand right now more power, more technology, more memory than Nassau had when America put a man on the moon. I mean, that is true. You, you have no idea uh, just how much power you hold in your hand. Um, that's why in 2007, Time Magazine named the iPhone, that's the year that this came out, just 2007, as the invention of the year, 14 years ago. Many people believe that the smartphone uh, is the most life-changing invention that we have seen in hundreds of years. I mean, nothing even comes close, not the car, the steam engine, you know, to the power of this little invention. Now, why? Well, you know, because with a car, you can do a few things with it, right? But with this, you can literally do thousands and thousands of things. You know, the obvious ones, you know, listen to music, talk to friends, watch TV. Uh, it's a GPS, get you where you need to go. How in the world did we get along, you know, get, a, get along with, without, you know, with this thing now? We used to have maps, right? Nobody even knows what a map is anymore. Um, but nothing comes close. I mean, you can uh, check your heart or all kind of studies for your body. You can do thousands and thousands of things. The game was forever changed when they put a computer in your phone. Now, when this came out, and again, it's only been a few years, I mean, a, sh a short period of time, the daily habits of people were forever altered. I mean, if you have a smartphone, you don't live the same way you did before this came out. I mean, before this came out, people actually listened to the phone. Now we look at the phone. That's a major, major change in behavior, by the way. In fact, we are constantly, we all are, we are constantly looking at these things. 
I mean, we, we look at our phones when we wake up. Sometimes it's the first thing that you check. You know, you look at your phone you, while we're waiting, you know, when we're at work, while we're eating at restaurants, at home with our families, when we go to the bathroom. So if you take your, your phone to the bathroom, even when you're driving, we know we're not supposed to, but so many people do that. Everybody's looking at their phone. We even look at this screen when we're, when we're looking at other screens. Because God forbid that you would be bored during a commercial, right? So you gotta, you know, look at your phone while you're actually sitting on the sofa looking at another screen. The latest statistics uh, is that Americans check their phone on average, get this, once every 10 minutes. Once every 10 minutes. That means you're looking at the screen 96 times a day. And the younger you are, the higher that statistic is. And all that happened, all that happened in just over a decade. By the way, if your kids ever ask you what it was like growing up in the 80s, take, off, take away their cell phone and turn off the internet. That's it, right there. That was the 80s, right? Now, and we're going to talk about this, but if, if this is the reality that we're living in today and that your kids live in, I mean, your kids don't know what it was like not to have all of this, but if this is our reality, guys, we got to talk about it. We got to deal with it. And we need to deal with it as a, a spiritual issue. Again, as a follower of Jesus. So I want us to have today kind of just an open, honest conversation about some of the potential dangers of all of these digital tools. Okay? And I hope it equips you uh, yourself, but then also as a parent. So, number one, uh, one danger is I can waste precious time. Everybody agrees with that, right? Come on. You can waste precious time on your cell phone, social media, on the internet. I mean, and we all know, right? Time, time is your most precious commodity. You only have a very limited amount of time. Now, if you're an average human being, you will live 27,375 days on planet Earth. That's the average number of days for a human being to live. If you're over 27, think about this for a second. If you're over 27, 10,000 of those days are already gone, already behind you. And you're never getting them back, you know? Time is your most precious resource. You can always get more money. You know, there, there are a lot of things that you could get more of, that you could create. But once you have spent that time, you can never get it back. It's gone. So in some ways, life management is really time management. You learn to manage your time, you can better learn to manage your life. Now, here's what the Bible says. Listen to this, Ephesians 5, 15 and 16. So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but live like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Now, notice it says, be careful how you live. Circle the word careful there. Now, typically, we don't use the word careful the way they did in the uh, first century times of the Bible. We don't, we today, when we use uh, the word careful, we, the implication is that you're worried about something, right? You know, be careful, you know, watch out. Okay, that's not what they're really saying here. So the opposite of careful is careless, careless. And so Paul is saying, don't be careless with your life. Be intentional. Be deliberate. 
You know, you know where you're going. You're not wasting your time. You're not careless with your time. You're careful with it. Now, the latest stat on smartphones is that in America, you ready for this? You spend 5.4 hours a day looking at the screen. 5.4 hours a day adds up to 37.8 total hours a week that we're looking at this thing. Now what that means is, if you are an average person and you live to be an average age, you will eventually spend 16 solid years of your life looking at this. That doesn't include uh, TV, that's another screen. That's just being online, looking at your phone. What I'm saying is, that simply means we need to talk. We need to have this conversation. We need to be prepared to have it with our kids. The Bible says this, 1 Corinthians 10, 23. You say, I'm allowed to do anything, but not everything is good for you. You say, I'm allowed to do anything. But again, not everything is beneficial. The principle here is that some things aren't necessarily wrong, okay? You know, in and of themselves, evil. But they are unnecessary. They might not be beneficial. I mean, guys, listen, it might not be a sin to watch five hours of puppy videos on YouTube, all right? You know, or just, you know, scroll through endlessly and mindlessly about whatever. But it might not be the best use of your time. It might not be good for you. It might, you need to ask yourself, is this worth giving my life for? Exchanging my life for? And again, I'm not saying we all need downtime, we all need entertainment, but it is a conversation we need to have. A second danger, number two, is I can be seduced by the world's values. The world's value system. Because the internet, particularly social media, you know, it amplifies stuff that's really not that important, but it makes it seem like it's really, really, really important. And so the world and all its advertisers, you know, they're constantly telling you, you know, how to think, what to buy, how to feel, what's cool, what's not cool. And the world is just shouting at us through the internet, through social media, and today the difference is you're carrying it around with you all day long in your pocket. That's not necessarily a temptation that previous followers and generations of followers of Christ had to deal with it, had to deal with, because they weren't carrying it with them in their pocket all day long. I mean, we haven't even talked about this issue, but the issue of pornography. I mean, the reality is in you know, my generation and older, if you wanted to look at pornography, you know, typically you dug around your dad's underwear drawer, right? Or you know, you had an uncle, or you went out to a fort in the woods, or something weird like that. But like today, guess what? 24-7, instant access. You're carrying around the world's value system of sex, money, and status, wherever you go. And so all I'm saying is that if you listen to it long enough, you're looking at it long enough, you start thinking, well, it must be right. It must be fine. It must be okay. You carry that voice with you. And so whatever gets your attention can very easily get you. You know, you, you look at something long enough, you know what's going to happen? You're going to start copying that. 
You're going to dress like that, think like that, act like that? Again, that's why the Bible says in Romans 12 too, don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Now, let's talk about that for a second. So what are the world's values? What is the world's value system? Well, the Bible tells us, 1 John 2, 15 through 17, do not love this world nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. For the world, listen to this, here it is. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but they are from this world. And this world is fading away along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. Did you catch that? The world's value system right there. A craving for physical pleasure, craving for everything we see, and a pride in our achievements and possessions. So what I'm saying is, man, you got a choice to make. Am I going to go with God's value system or am I going to go with the world's value system? Let me give you a third danger, number three. Oh, my goodness. I can be drawn into unproductive arguments. Oh, man. Is that not true or what? This is so, so easy, particularly today in social media. I can be drawn into unproductive arguments. Have you ever, you know, read a comment or a post by somebody on social media, maybe something a little out there, a little outrageous, or you just, you know, disagreed and you got offended by it? And you're thinking to yourself, I need to tell them off. I got to set the record straight. I have got to respond. And every bone in your body just wants to obliterate them. This is your, you know, your right, you, you, your calling. You've got to do this because of what they just said. And now, because you can't physically see this person, you know, you're not right there with them, it's as though this whole natural layer of decency and accountability has been removed. You will now say things and use language that you would never, ever, ever say to somebody in person, especially if you were in a crowd with, with other people listening in. And now listen to me. There aren't just 10, 20, hundreds, there are potentially hundreds of thousands, maybe even millions of people tuning into what you're saying. It's so easy to get drawn into an argument. But as a follower of Jesus, don't. Don't respond. Here's what the Bible says. And everybody thinks they're justified. You know, but listen to this, Titus 3, 9 and 11. But avoid foolish controversies and genealogies and arguments and quarrels about the law because these are unprofitable and useless. Warn a divisive person once. By the way, that's intentional. That's intended to be one-on-one, -on -one, private. Warn a divisive person once, and then a second time after that, have nothing to do with them. You may be sure that such people are warped and sinful. They are self-condemned. I think that's pretty clear. Don't get involved in foolish controversies or arguments. I could make the argument he's, he's saying here, or conspiracy theories. Don't do it. Listen, 
the fact that, by the way, I think we ought to have this verse like posted near our screens. You know, that ought to be the verse that pops up on your phone, on social media, you know, especially during an election year, right? The fact is, there are people who live to hook you, stir you up, and to argue. They don't care what you believe. They, they just want to argue. Let me show you some other verses about this. Proverbs 26, 21. A quarrelsome person starts fights as easily as hot embers light charcoal or fire lights wood. They're going to keep arguing, you know, until you give up. They're not going to give up. So what does God say? Proverbs 26, 4. Don't answer the foolish arguments of fools or you will become as foolish as they are. You think you stand out. You don't. The Bible says you look like a fool. So don't engage. And then, if, if all of that is not good enough for you, here are the very words of Jesus himself. Matthew 12, 36. I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. And believe me, that includes social media and text messages. Now, that alone, as a follower of Jesus, as a disciple of Jesus, ought to be enough to muzzle your mouth and zip your lip. But, not only that, now, and we all know this, right? Whatever you say on the internet, it is permanent, global, and searchable. It's not going away. Which is why you as a parent have got to have a conversation with your kids about this. Don't do this. You know, don't say stuff on the internet thinking it's no big deal. Because 50 years from now, they're going to pull it up at your Senate confirmation hearing, right? They are. Your employee has, has access. They can look up anything you have ever said. So zip your lip. Fourth danger of digital tools. Somebody's texting me right now. Get it, Pastor Chris. There we go. Anyway, um, another danger, number four, is I can be tempted to compete and show off. It just feeds into our, our pride and our ego. I can be tempted to compete and show off. Now, again, I know we all naturally want to, you know, put ourselves in a good light. You know, we, we want people to think we got it together. Uh, but, you know, what's happened is that social media kind of feeds into that desire, amplifies it, and to go further, to compete, to compare. And, you know, you never see people post a picture of themselves when they just got out of bed, Right? That never happens. No, you know, the hair's all a mess and, you know, bedhead and, you know, drool coming down the side of their face and, you know, the laundry is, you know, in this corner of the room and dishes in the sink. That, you know, no, it's my so-called so perfect life. Instagram reported that more than half of all the pictures posted are Photoshopped. They're, they're not reality. You know, we want people to see how, how cool we are, how smart, successful, fun, how perfect our marriage is, how brilliant and beautiful our children and grandchildren are. And the worst kind of showing off is spiritual showing off. When you're trying to appear more spiritual in front of people, it's called self-righteousness. Now listen, again, I, I do get it. And we, you know, here at Coastal, we are, you know, we are constantly putting things out there on the internet, on our, on our social media sites, and, and we're trying to do the best we can to promote Christ and to promote the body of Christ. But what I'm saying is that a follower of Jesus, again, it's all about our heart and our motives. And we constantly have to do kind of a little self-check. 
I mean, this is the very thing that Jesus called out in the Pharisees most often, self-righteousness. He said everything they were doing was for show. They pray for show, sing for show, give their offerings for show. It was all for personal promotion and public consumption. And God hates that. Write, write this down. I can't be in, in the moment if I'm constantly trying to stage the moment. Now again, listen, there, there are tons and tons of people who run their entire business from social media and you know, the internet and you know, their cell phone. I get that, okay? But think about this. I, what I'm saying is, again, I understand the desire to capture a moment. And man, what a, what a blessing today that we have this opportunity to, you know, to video and, you know, and pictures of our children and all these special moments and memories. And that's great, but that's different from those photoshopped staged moments for public and personal promotion and consumption. And Jesus had a lot to say about that. Matthew 6, 1, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you'll have no reward from your Father in heaven. And again, he's saying it here. Be careful. There's that word again, right? Check your heart. Check your motives. You know, if, if all you're ever doing is taking what you've done, even if it's a good thing, and you're sharing it and posting it only so that you can appear good and be seen by others and build yourself up instead of Jesus and the bride of Christ and encouraging others, then he's saying, that's all the reward you're ever going to get. By the way, that's why I, I do believe, and we try to promote this in the church periodically, that it's good to periodically force yourself to disconnect from all social media and screens, to disconnect. You know, th uh, throughout the year here at Coastal, we'll have uh, uh, fasts. You know, typically we have a, a kind of a church-wide fast leading up to Easter. We've done one before Christmas, the beginning of a year, just, you know, throughout the year. And, and I think one of the best things that you can fast is screen time, social media, in fact, I want to recommend a couple of resources for everybody, not just parents, for everybody. Uh, two books. I think it's on your outline. They'll put it up on the screen. Uh, here's the first one, 12 Ways Your Phone is Changing You by Tony Rinke. Great, great read. Uh, and we've recommended this one before, uh, The TechWise Family, Everyday Steps for Putting Technology in Its Proper Place by Andy Crouch. Let me give you two more dangers. Number five, I can get addicted to the approval of others. I can get addicted to the approval of others. Now, what is it that makes uh, social media in particular so addicting? I mean, why in the world do we have to go back and check this thing like 96 times a day? I mean, you're not getting 96 phone calls. I mean, that's just not happening. Well, let, 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 me, um, let me see if I can explain. If it's social media, there actually is a, a science behind it. You can read, the, read all about this on your own. We, no, no, number one, again, we desperately need and uh, want the approvals of others. You know, we want to be liked. And so when you post something on the internet, you know, man, you're just, you're anxiously waiting, right? I mean, oh, is somebody going to like it? How many likes am I going to get? Anybody going to share that? Oh, I got a like, I got a like. And what happens, literally, in your brain, it, it releases a chemical called dopamine. And a few minutes later, you get a little ding, you know, whoo, I got another like. You know, maybe you get a little emoji pops up or something. Oh, I got two, I got four likes. It's, it, this thing is going viral, right? You know, they like me. They really, really like me. And then like the chemical, the dopamine is just going off in your brain. It's actually the exact same thing that they tested in rats with cocaine. 
It is the same chemical. You know, it, it, going back for another hit, get another hit, another hit. It's a scientific, biological fact that it releases a chemical in your brain and it can become addicting. Now, here's the problem. When we do this, we become a lot more interested in the opinions of other people that we don't even know and sometimes we really don't even like that much while we are ignoring the people all around us. We're just busy looking at our screens. Somebody once said that cell phones can bring you closer to the people far from you, but they can take you away from the person sitting right next to you. And we've all seen that. You know, we're sitting at a table with friends and family, and we're all looking at our screens. We're more interested in what's happening there than doing life with the people right, right with you. And all I'm saying is, guys, let's just admit that's a problem. Let's talk about it, be open about it, let's fight it. Galatians 1.10, am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. You get to choose. Am I a people pleaser or a God pleaser? One more, number six. I can be distracted from what's most important. Again, if I'm going to spend 16 years of my life looking at a screen, you can be distracted from what's really important in life. If you allow this little thing to interrupt you at any time, any place, you know, anywhere, this potentially has become your God, your idol. And you've got to ask yourself, it's really a question of ownership. Do you own it or does it own you? If this can interrupt you at any time, then this thing probably is running your life. There's an amazing story in the Bible. Um, Jesus had a group of friends, great friends, Mary, uh, Martha, and Lazarus. And uh, they lived in a, uh, in a home in Bethany just outside of Jerusalem. And uh, Jesus was uh, just about a half a day away, okay? And uh, Lazarus gets very, very sick. In fact, he is deathly sick. So they send word to him, Jesus, Lord Jesus, come quickly. You know, come to our home. Come see Lazarus. And uh, you know, I'm sure they thought, you know, man, if Jesus can get here, Jesus can heal our friend, heal his own friend, you know? They've seen him heal other people, and now he's going to be able to heal Lazarus. Well, instead of getting there quickly in a half a day, it takes Jesus three more days uh, before he gets there. So what was he doing? I mean, he's talking to people. He's walking around. He's ministering to people. You see, Jesus did not want to get there to heal Lazarus. He wanted to get there to raise Lazarus from the dead. He wanted to do a bigger miracle. So he waited until Lazarus died. So finally, after Lazarus dies, he shows up at Mary and Martha's house in Bethany. That's where I pick up Luke chapter 10, verses 39 through 42. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening to to what he taught. Now stop there just for a second. You and I have got to do that every single day of our life. Sit at the feet of Jesus, listening to everything he says. That's called the quiet time. You sit quietly with his book, the Bible, and sure, yeah, I get it. You can, I have it on my, you know, my phone, you version. You know, this is a lot of times it's how I read my, my Bible is through my phone. I get that, but what I'm saying is every day you sit quietly with his book, the Bible, you pray, and you read. 
You pray and you read. And you do it every day. And you say, God, is there anything you want to tell me today? And you let him speak to you through his word, through his spirit. Verse 40. But Martha was distracted. Circle that word there. Distracted. By the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come help me. She's having a pity party, right? But the Lord said to her, my dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. There's only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken away from her. Listen, if you have an opportunity to look at your phone or social media or spend time sitting quietly at the feet of Jesus, which are you going to choose? If an average American is spending 5.4 hours a day looking at this, how much time are we spending with Jesus? All I'm saying today is I think something's a little out of whack. Why in the world would we spend so much time with something and stuff that we really don't believe and people that we don't really know or care about than with the very one that we do believe and we do love, our Savior, our Lord. So, Pastor Chris, you know, based on all of that, you know, after the service, you know, just like, uh, you know, we go through Dave Ramsey's financial piece, everybody going to pull out their credit cards, we're going to cut our credit cards, are we going to, you know, got our first impressions team, they're going to sit by the door, we're going to smash cell phones today. No, no, don't worry, we're not doing that. I, I don't believe that at all, okay? You see, in and of itself, man, your, you know, your cell phone, the internet, social media, technology, they're all value neutral. They are. They're neither good nor bad. They're not evil. They're not good. You and I, though, determine whether or not that thing is positive or negative. It's how we view it. It's how we hold it in our life. It's how we use it that determines whether or not it's good and bad. Just like money, you know, it's a tool. It's a tool and a test. It's a powerful tool that we can leverage for the kingdom. Let me tell you something. And here at Coastal, man, we're doing that. And I'm so thankful that we were able to do that when, you know, during the shutdown, during the pandemic. And, and I'm thankful for that. We're going to keep doing that. We're going to keep leveraging it. And we, and we use it for all the time for, but like all I'm saying is that, or it could be very dangerous. It's a powerful tool and it's a test a test of your character. Um, there was some, I don't know, debate or argument a little bit on the internet as to where this, uh, this next quote actually comes from. Here it is. I'm sure you've heard it before. With great power comes great what? Responsibility. With great power comes great responsibility. Now, some of the more educated among us uh, believe and attribute this to Voltaire and his writing during the French Revolution. Most millennials, however, attribute it to who? Spider-Man, that's right. You know, Ben Parker's uncle, right? Um, I mean, Ben Parker, Spider-Man's uncle. Um, however, however, not saying you're not educated, by the way. However, 2,000 years earlier, 2,000 years earlier, Jesus said this, Luke 12, 48. From everyone who has been given much, 
much will be demanded. And from, and from the one who has been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. Guys, that's you and me. We have been given so, so very much in this digital age. And I think we ought to be grateful for it and use it and leverage it. But as a result, much will be required. Again, technology can be a tremendous benefit and a blessing, enhancing your worship, your study, uh, your giving, our witness. You know, think about it. 2,000 years ago, Jesus said, go into all the world and make disciples. And now, you know, you don't have to leave your home to do that. Or it can be a danger or a distraction. The choice is yours. Have the conversation. Bow your heads and pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I do thank you today for, um, I thank you for technology. I thank you for this invention. I thank you for all these tools that we have at our disposal. And I thank you that, you know, this past year especially, that we have been able to leverage these tools for the kingdom. And um, I pray, God, that we would continue to make those investments and continue to leverage and to go into all the world with the good news of the gospel. But Father, you know, I think we all have to be honest and say um, there are many, many times in all of our lives when um, it really has become a distraction and a danger. And so, Father, today I pray for those here that are watching and hearing and listening to this, those here in person, those online, God, that these would be conversations that we would have with our families, our children, with one another, and uh, just maybe find someone that can uh, hold us a little bit of accountable uh, to the decisions that we make with our, our time and our lives. Help us to be careful and to make the most of the time that we have. And Father, I just thank you for a church that believes that our, our mission is to share and experience the life and the love of Jesus with Charleston and the world, to go and make disciples. And listen, if you are here today and you are listening or you are hearing this, watching it, what about you? Are you a follower of Jesus yet? Do you have a a relationship with God. I'm not talking about religion. I'm not talking about trying to earn something. I am saying, have you crossed the line of faith? Have you surrendered your life to Jesus? Man, you could do it right here and right now, in person, online, wherever you're at. Just pour your heart out to God right now and say, dear Heavenly Father, God, I do, I admit it. I'm a mess. I, I typically make a mess of just about anything you give me. Somehow I, I turn it and I, I abuse it. I misuse it. And I, I admit I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. And I've tried many different ways to find you or come to you. And typically it's frustrating or it's turned me away or I run away from you. But today, God, I believe. I believe that Jesus is your son. I believe that he went to the cross for me, that he paid the price, the penalty of my sin. He took it all. 
and he rose from the dead to prove that he had the power to do it. And today, I humbly ask him to be my Savior and to be my Lord. And for the rest of my time here on this earth, however many days it might be, I want to follow him. I want to become more and more like you see me now, your forgiven son, your forgiven daughter. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. It's in his name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. From Pastor Chris and the family at Coastal Community Church, have a blessed day.